we come together. Maybe some eyes see familiar faces with joy. Maybe some ears hear some familiar voices in recognition. Many, like me perhaps, have excitement about new faces and voices we might encounter here this morning, which will help to make this community in the making for the future. As we intentionally take some time now and pause instead of tumbling headlong into the next moment in our lives and in the life of this congregation and its minister. Come on forward. Okay, so you might not know who this person is. Anyone remember this person from a couple years, a few, quite a few years ago? Well, we're going to get to know each other a little bit more today. And so I'm going to need some help from someone to open the Wonder Box. Yes? Oh, wow. What's in there? I'm going to pull those out. What do we got? Oh, some numbers. You want to pass a couple of those out? Okay. There you go. Okay. There you go. That's very nice. Oh, thank you. Okay, so we have these um, pieces of paper. Oh, you know what? You know, this is usually the time of the year when we have a question box sermon uh, service. And you know what? I just thought maybe we can sprinkle that in a little bit, but um, maybe a little minister edition. Let's see. So if anyone has the number one, could you open that and tell me what it says on there? And maybe your sister can help if needed. All right. What does it say in there? What is a minister? Well, okay. Let's start off easy. Um, so, Mary, do you want to do you want to weigh in on this? <laughs> what have I done to you? <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. What is a minister? I feel like this is my final when I grow up an exam. <laughs> no. Well, a minister is. Well, religious leaders have different definitions uh, depending upon their religious, different religious traditions and uh, even sometimes within a faith tradition, uh, even within Unitarian Universalism. Um, there's different concepts of what a minister is. And to put it mildly, it's a person, a professional minister is a person who uh, has prepared and by education, going to school a lot, learning, working with, and enjoying working with uh, congregations and other groups of people around churches, helping a person to decide to do what is right in their view and to work toward helping others in our city and our country to help to make the world a better place for all people. Also, <laughs> all people and creatures and the earth. A minister 
teaches and guides and encourages us. Yay, yay, rah, 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 cheerleader type thing. Spitting image, thank you. <laughs> and uh, encourages uh, doing uh, this. Also at times when we are sad, they comfort us. And at times when we want to celebrate happy times in our lives, they are with us as well. Ditto. She's the smartest in the class. <laughs> and she got her Geneva robe on. I wonder if we have a second, uh, a second. Does anyone have number two? Do they get worse? No, they get better. They get better. I'll take the first crack at it and you, you add on. You want to open that one? What do we got here? Okay. Who wrote these? I don't know. Okay, here we go. When did you first feel called to be a minister? I'll go first. It was more recent for me. Um, I went to General Assembly in 2006 um, in St. Louis and had already been uh, a really active youth person, um, not too much older than Ben uh, Will Trout, who's in our in our uh, with our nursery right now, but and uh, and just felt deeply moved by the experience of being around other Unitarian Universalists. And I thought about I saw ministers and I thought about what that would be like. And I felt really called towards that kind of, um, I didn't know exactly what that would look like, but I felt really called in that moment. How about for you? Wow, my story's a little different. Mm -hmm. um, when I was a little girl, most people had never seen a minister who was a woman, even in Unitarian Universalist congregations. Now, so I didn't even realize that a woman could be a minister. We can feel very proud as Unitarian Universalists that we've had women in ministry for over 100 years at that time. But I didn't know about it. I studied a lot about different religions in college because I enjoyed learning about some of them. And this is kind of an embarrassing part, social justice-wise. The money of the Rockefeller family who made that money from selling oil and gas <laughs> paid for some to study, like me, to become ministers. And after that, they got finished with college. And this put the idea in my head. See, I could be bought. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I could become, and maybe I would want to become a minister. And you know what? It seemed to involve my doing a lot of the things that I like to do. All right. Any, is there a third one? Oh, yeah. Okay, Darian. And these were really stuck shut. Sorry about that. Yeah. All right. What do you got in there? There we go. Young people are great. Envelope. I know. I would just rip it. Practice if they celebrate Christmas. Yeah. What do you got? What is something I've learned, we've learned as from being a minister? Oh. You want me to go yeah, you go first. I'll, I'll weigh in. Um, I've learned in Unitarian Universalism to never forget that it is the congregation who decides how they want their church to be. It's not about me. 
Also, I learned over and over again, don't push the river. What's that have to do? I mean, rivers, you have to push with your hand. It means that, you know, step back, take some time, uh, let the congregation think about things and vote on things and decide. Yeah, that's a good tip. Um, I really feel like I've learned a lot about resilience, human resilience, how strong we can be going through this pandemic. I, I'm not sure how your experiences have been, but you know, to see the congregation really come together and um, support one another has been a beautiful thing. And it shows that, you know, we're perhaps a lot stronger than we often give ourselves and a lot more creative um, and imaginative of how we move forward than we could have imagined. I think we have one more. Do we have one more? Ah, uh, yes. Let's see. What's the most fun thing about being a minister? Ooh, I like that question. Thank you. Um, I would say meeting and working with all kinds of different people who also are trying to help themselves become more ready and more willing to help make the world a better place for all people and creatures. I personally love Sunday services, not just this time, although this is like one of the most fun and laughing and joyful times, but I just love the whole experience of seeing our faces filled with the different experiences of life and the emotions of life. Um, this is probably the most uh, meaningful part is this, this hour we share together each Sunday. Our reading today is called Prophets of a Future by Ken Untener. It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The future is not only beyond our efforts, it is, if it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of a magnificent enterprise Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the future always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral encounter brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference. We are workers, not master builders. We are prophets of a future, not our own. You 
You know, Mary, I have to start with just a, a short aside that that hymn reminded me of it. Um, my daughter, Holly, who says the darndest things, doesn't get the award this week because a, a parent of one of her classmates came up to me in the um, parking lot and said that her daughter, whose name's, um, who came up to her uh, afterward and said, Mommy, Mommy, uh, Holly's daddy, did you know, did you know that Holly's daddy works at Bethlehem? And I thought that was a pretty cool calling card. I don't know how that lost in translation, but I'll take it. Yeah, my coworker, Jesus, Mary, Joseph doesn't pull his weight, but you know. Um, I'm so glad to have you here, Mary. We talked about um, having more of a dialogue rather than a sermon. Um, I was going to make a, a Roosevelt fireside chat joke to these kids, and then I realized I'm not even supposed to know that joke, and so, you know, I just, it's a generational thing, but I'm, I'm glad we can be here and talk and, and reminisce and think about this kind of relationship that I have uh, felt in the past year or so preparing for this sabbatical, the relationship that harkens back to our interim time of transition to this very different but connected time of sabbatical. So, do you want to share a little bit about um, what it feels like to be back? Well, maybe this. I'm not sure I'm on. <laughs> I think you are. Is it on the side there? Yeah, I'm on. Um, this was the one question I really couldn't prepare for until, I mean, fool with this for just a second. Yes. I love sound people. <laughs> and I want to honor them. Um, I couldn't prepare by saying how I would feel because I didn't know I wasn't here yet. Um, but um, it's been an amazing morning already. Uh, things are changed on Guller. It's like, oh, there's all these houses, a stop sign. I mean, <laughs> uh, We've come a long way. Um, safety first, we say here. Well, and, and then the on the property and it's so developed and all kinds of parking and the physical things but the most important thing is the people and I knew it would be uh, thank you Nick for your invitation I hope I can add to this sabbatical beginning and um, it's wonderful to be here as a visitor well, and I've always, uh, I've said it early on in, in my ministry that there were three wise women who told me to take a look at Columbus, Indiana. One was Sherry Woodbury, your former um, uh, intern. One was Nancy Olson, member of this congregation. And the third was Mary Moore. And without those three wise women, um, I'm not sure if I would have taken a look. And I'm really glad I did. And I bet they are too. Oh, well, this is where you're supposed to applaud. No, I'm just kidding. No, don't, don't do that. That would be really awkward. So we, we go back a little bit, um, but, but you knew, did you know of me before I applied? And how, what was that connection? I knew of you before you were created. Nick. Whoa, man. I can't. Not that much, but um Hmm. Actually, I realized I went back to 1987 when I went back to the University of Chicago Divinity School to take some more graduate courses. And I met a young man who was studying there as a student, Roger Bertesh, Roger Birch. Um, and um, 
he got to know him and he was a Unitarian Universalist also and we got to be friendly. It was a joy to watch him getting to know Amy and then eventually, you know, falling in love and marrying. And he followed Amy's path. He was the trailing spouse to Columbus, Indiana. And so I heard a lot, although I visited for the architecture, but I heard a lot more there. And, oh, I heard about Hattie's birth. I heard about Ian's birth. And also, you all may remember that when he was the trailing spouse, he was also the first minister of this congregation. So life went on, and we'd check in with each other at General Assembly. He was in Wisconsin with a very successful ministry for many years. So we just, you know, what are your kids doing, et cetera, et cetera. And Hattie had a significant other. And so I heard about Nick. And in 1987, I was trying to chat up Roger because I was going to have a maternity leave, which they would call a parental leave for Jonathan. And sure enough, Roger was my um, parental leave person oh, uh, in 1987. Uh, so yeah, I knew him and I had heard about you, but one general assembly, what does all this have to do with Nick? <laughs> one general assembly, uh, and it may have been the one in St. Louis even. Mm -hmm. Um, I was standing minding my own business outside the auditorium, and Roger saw me, and he read this up here over, and uh, said, this is Hattie's partner, and uh, he's thinking about the UU ministry, and that's how I met you, and then <laughs> Well, uh, that's a nice little story. I didn't hear all those parts before when we were preparing for this, so I'm glad you told them all this time. Um, yeah, so you, so, uh, and then you came here in um, 2015 and had, you know, two year, two full years here. Um, but like, what were your, what were like, eventually when I became, I think the pre-candidate maybe, or, and then definitely when I became the candidate for ministry, we started to talk more. Absolutely. Well, do you remember anything from those days? Well, very much so. And it was really neat um, to uh, go back through my email, which is <laughs> a trip, let me tell you, and uh, see what the emails were that Nick and I exchanged at that time. Some of them were very mundane, you know, about his coming here to candidate and, you know, working with worship associates, working with the sound system working, just how to do things here. How do you do things here? And uh, then there are emails a little further along that says office keys and things like that. So it, almost every area of church life, this human being wanted to know more. And it was a joy to get your emails. But in my perusing emails, I really need to share one with you because I couldn't believe this is not an email that I or that either neither Nick nor I wrote. It was written in May of 2017, which was the May when I was preparing to leave and you were preparing to come. You'd been called by that time, but um, this email, if anybody during sabbatical at any time thinks that you know how the future and how things are going to go, not so much. <laughs> I have not heard this. <laughs> we need to plan more. Uh, you got a lot of you got a lot of twists and turns. Here you go, Mary. What does it say? Hey, it says 
forward Zoom account in May of 2017. And it was written by one of your congregational leaders at that time. Uh, and the person was writing to your board at that time. As you may know, the Ministerial Search Committee used a Zoom application for video conferencing. One of the members of the Ministerial Search Committee, they say who, um, has informed me that the account they used cost about $15 a month and they no longer need it. I am inclined to advise to close the account because I don't think we can justify the subscription fee at this time. Please let me know if you disagree. So there were some there were some people who didn't see the future. I know. And 15, that's like, uh, it's 25 now. So that was a good deal. That was a really good deal. That was quite humorous. Yeah. But yes, we had lots of uh, conversations and email uh, correspondence. The next mind was always wanting to know more and want to know more things. Yeah, so when when you when when uh, you were invited to come back, I'm sure a lot of, I mean, I know that you've, and I hope you'll talk about this a bit, but you know uh, that some memories came back, but also just thinking more broadly about you know this uh, time chapter of your life uh, being here, um, and also just the work of interim, which you've done now several, uh, a dozen, you know, maybe. Just eight. Just eight. Just eight interims. Um, were your favorite? No, no, you don't have to say that. Um, but like, what were what what what's been some things that have been on your mind as you've prepared to come here? And it's just, this always happens to me. I get ahead of my notes, which is a bad way to be. But um, anyway, I probably just jettison my notes and uh, just take your question. Um, what are some things that I that you've been thinking about that 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 re reflecting back on this time here and well what what I was reflecting on was the last sermon I gave here uh, was about and it was the day when uh, you all had a footnote a music note in your order of service and it was the day uh, when that happened it was Father's Day of 2017 and it was where you might go if you remember, and I had written out all the places they thought, you you know, you might be interested in going. But before I said them and shared them with the congregation, I sent them to Nick because I wanted to make sure that Nick wanted the congregation and wanted his ministry to go in those directions. So that's part of what one thinks about during an interim time, but also during a sabbatical time is where you might go. Yeah, and, and it seems like things have changed a lot. I, I'm trying to remember back because we have both pandemic time, kind of this this time that we're in now, which is sort of pandemic or kind of endemic time, pandemic time, and then pre-pandemic times, which feel like all very different chapters, um, a time that the congregation has adapted so much. It's almost like, in a way, maintaining an interim feel because we're at, we're shifting, we're changing, um, redefine, re reimagining what ministry is, what governance is, what staffing looks like. How do we how do we connect? How do we support one another? Um, which has not always been easy, but has been something that I think we've chewed on as a community. Yes, I think that's that's a very apt way to put it. As I suddenly tried to figure out where I am with my notes and after. Oh, there you go. Good. I found myself. Good. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, what does this all have to do with our focus this morning from interim to sabbatical? We were made for times such as these. Well, first the emails showed concretely that this congregation is lovingly held in the mutual ministry of its professional leaders and congregational leaders and members and staff even during, and perhaps especially during, liminal times in its life. In the uh, Testament of the Christian tradition, the letters of Paul, one letter talks about how the church, or the Christian church, was treasure in an earthen vessel. And what that meant to those early Christian people was that the teachings and the gathering of the community were held in a very fragile container. I mean, you drop one of those clay flower pots and it shatters. Uh, and so that's how they also saw the church, um, that it was uh, something very precious, but in a container that was mm -hmm. very fragile. Uh, and the email exchanges between myself and Nick emphasize all the minutia of church life. This is before we never thought about pandemics. Heck, we were trying to get rid of our Zoom account. Right. Uh, that was the prudent thing to do, obviously. Yes, you're welcome. But um, my next to last service here uh, back in June of 2017 uh, was focused on where you have been. And we certainly explored this during the two year interim period, you know, before uh, I had come in 2015. And especially it culminated in 2017 with your major celebration, several months long of 50 years of your congregation's existence in Columbus, Indiana, and 15 years, this is back in 2017, of being in this building, the 5015. Uh, sort of, uh, celebration that Sharon did so well. Uh, we mourned the passing of the Reverend Robert Reed, who was one of the people who came up to serve you from uh, Kentucky, from Louisville, and uh, he passed away that year. But we also invited back some of your previous ministers, and Roger Burkhausen was one person. Reverend Dennis McCarty was the keynote speaker for that 5015 celebration. So where you might know that you were thinking about before 27, before 2015 and during that two years, it led into where you have been. You had not only had this big party during the interim time toward the end, my goodness, the interfaith campus, which you talked about and worked toward, that got moved forward. And I drive into the parking lot. There's another building out there, Nick. Have you noticed? I, I have, yes. Bet you all have too. Uh, solar panels that you talked about and worked so hard for and worked on getting grants for. Well, when I left in 2017, that little whirly gig thing was telling me how many units of electricity this place was generating. And it looks uh, different with having the solar panels on. I was so proud. 
One reason I was attracted to UUCCI was because of the phrase courageous action, which is in your mission statement. Now, when I was uh, being interviewed to be an interim minister here, uh, we were on a teleconference, that's what it was then, but it was a video conference, almost Zoom. Almost. So they uh, were, tell I, I said that that was why I was somewhat interested in coming here because I, I like that phrase, courageous action. And all of a sudden, the entire world I was watching on my desktop computer, it started whirling around and shifting it. It's like it's on a roller coaster. It was only later they told me they were passing around a laptop so that each person got to speak at that moment. Very. <laughs> but during this interim period also, talking about courageous action, um, in 2016, the day following President Trump's election, there was bullying and name calling of some Hispanic students in one of your middle schools here. A UUCCI member called me that morning and said, what are we going to do about that? Courageous action. And a vigil and a rally and a march with yellow orange fabric that, marked, that matched the uh, standing on the side of love, it was called at that time, or side with, side with love. We're tied around trees downtown. We're tied around lampposts downtown. People came to speak and pray and sing songs. And then we marched around the block. And the then mayor of Columbus came up to me and he said, if you ever hold another such event, please let me know. And I thought, uh-oh, here goes. Because I would like to participate. An interim period is a time to reflect on where you have been and where you might go as a congregation. But you as a congregation were also made for times such as sabbaticals as well. A time of looking back within, looking around and forward, instead of humbling headlong into the next moment for both minister and congregation, a sabbatical is a change event which pulls you to what is next. Just as Reverend Nick will have signature events during this sabbatical time, so too will your congregation. For instance, there are three major ones. <clears throat> the first one is a published author. Scott Russell Saunders, who's written many books and essays and things, well-known author, will be speaking with you on a weekend workshop about the spirit of place. On another event during the sabbatical, you all will be experiencing Reverend Sarah Jean Getty and Reverend Derek Jackson, who will be engaged in telling you about storytelling and engaging with this congregation's story. And a third weekend during this sabbatical will focus on music of Carrie Newcomer and encouraging the congregation to sing your emerging song. 
Now in this small world of coincidences, I had encountered Scott Russell Sanders several decades ago. In the Decatur, Illinois Union congregation where I was a settled minister for 21 years, there was a member who was an English professor and he kept encouraging me three, four decades ago to have his close friend from graduate school, a published author to come and speak with the congregation about the importance of place and putting down roots. Yeah. Not he came, he spoke a few times, not saying it's because of this, but one year, that congregation actually over the course of 21 years had five five-year plans and they successfully completed four of them. And they had started on the fifth one when I left them. They moved from an old Victorian house, bought some land, built a building, hired a religious educator, moved through two and a half years of growing times. UUCCI may not know specifically, precisely what you will be making plans for during this sabbatical time, especially as we still are dealing with the pandemic. But UUCCI has a mission which can serve as a general focus to guide it. As the wise and elegant words of our reading today reminded us, words which were written by Ken Unter, who is a Roman Catholic priest. He worked on a cardinal staff. The cardinal liked his words so much that he sent it to Pope, uh, to Pope, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry to Pope Francis, and in 2015, Pope Francis uh, used them because the Cardinal had liked them so much. And those words, as you recall from Nick's reading to you this morning, it may be incomplete, these plans, but it's a beginning, a step along the way. Y'all may never see the end results, but that's the difference between a master builder and a worker. We are workers, not master builders. We are prophets of a future, not our own. Or as one of the writers of the book of Deuteronomy in the Hebrew scriptures put it, we sit in the shade of trees we did not plant and drink from wells we did not dig. Henry David Thoreau, our own Unitarian forebearer, put it this way, if you have built castles in the air, now put foundations under them. You have treated your minister well and have treated yourselves well as a congregation. You have earned this gift of this sabbatical, this journey. But any journey and every journey in life should have blessings for the journey. 
Nick, do we have some blessings this morning? I put some in my pocket. And so we do have some blessings. We're going to offer some. Thank you, Mary. Those words to share a blessing in and of themselves. And Mary and I are going to offer a few blessings as we prepare to end our time today. So I think we're going to go down here. And as we're doing so, I'll invite Kate Hyatt up. Something's changed over five and a half years. I really need Okay, good. Reverend Nick, may you find a sense of wonder, joy, love, and new learnings on your journey. May you carry us in your hearts, knowing that we will continue our spirit of warmth and joy, our lives of shared responsibility, and our courageous action. And we will rejoice in your return on May in anticipation of what is next. I'm going to invite Elizabeth Valencia up, who will be our sabbatical preacher. Elizabeth will be coming seven times during the sabbatical. And I offer just a few blessing words. Elizabeth, I hope that you preach from your heart, from your authentic, from the most authentic place that you are. I hope you encourage them, challenge them, invite them, uh, all with the spirit of compassion. Um, I hope that you are both mere and window into the life of Unitarian Universalism, into our multi-faith present and our multi-faith future. And I hope that through this engagement over the next few months, we all change, we all transform uh, through your sermons, through these services, um, and from all the ministry experiences that they're having during those months. May it be so. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, my oh yes. I actually have it on. <laughs> well, we heard from Kate giving a beautiful blessing to Nick. And now I have a blessing for the sabbatical team. Shall we have them come up? Because I want people to know who the sabbatical team are here. Your sabbatical team will be led by Kate Hyatt, the chair. Sandra Bolte, he, Bolte, I, I remember Sandra. <laughs> Lynette Farless. I won't bite. <laughs> and we can be six feet away. I don't know the rules here. Uh, Lynette Far <clears throat> Farless. And she's watching online. She Hi. <laughs> Louise Hillary. Steve Jasper. Lynn Montgomery. Brittany Phillips. Who had no typos at all. You're awesome. <laughs> Adrian Summerlap. She's not here today. And Nicole Wiltrout. And she's helping out with our, our children. My blessing to you all. 
May you find inspiration as you lead the congregation in a sabbatical time of looking back, looking within, looking around, and looking forward. Instead of tumbling headlong into the next moment, may you help the congregation to reflect during this sabbatical period on where you have been and where you might go as a congregation. And may this journey and this end always serve to keep before the congregation the ideal of creating beloved community here and also in the larger world. Blessings to you and the congregation, your sabbatical team. Please, and you can go back to your seats. Thank you. Oh, hold up staff. I'm going to keep the staff up here real quick. And Adrian's not here, but I have a few words for our staff because our staff, along with Adrian, who's not here today, are an amazing group of three people. And you know that, and you can remember to remind them of that. The three of you, I, I, I bless you and encourage you to, to live into your leadership, to step into your leadership, whether it's through administration or programs or music or Sunday services, that, that you all step in as leaders um, that to the co-collaborative leadership that we've been developing. So it's not minister and staff, but we're a staff together. I hope that this time of uh, sabbatical is one of great learning for the three of you as well. Maybe so. We're just got a few other groups that we want to name and you can just stay stand you can stand where you are when I when I call you. There's two groups uh, that are particularly going to be helping us through this time of ministry teams. And the first is the Sunday services team. So if you're on the Sunday services team, can you just stand up where you are? We have Steve and I think Chris and Liz and some people might be um, out there getting things ready. May your Sunday services continue to inspire. May you continue to be um, authentic and compassionate in your leadership. May, they, may you recognize that people will re relate to you always 10 times more than they relate to me from the words that you, ex you express out there because you are the congregation. That is a gift that you have from your voice. Don't take it for granted and continue to share it during the sabbatical and afterwards. Blessings. And then members of the pastoral care team or the care team. I think I see Sharon and I think Sandy's here somewhere. There we are. And a couple, and Marsha is Marsha in here. There we are. And then Jim's the pastoral care team. The care team holds, holds the congregation in deep care, whether you, whether they come knocking on your door or not, this con this group continues to help this be a caring community. And in my absence, this will continue to be a caring community for the care doesn't come from the minister. It comes from the congregation. You all make it a caring community and you sustain it as a caring community. Continue to turn to one another for the joys and sorrows of this congregation will continue week in and week out. And thank gosh, we have this great care team who will guide us along the way. Blessings. Another very important part of your sabbatical time is, of course, your board of trustees. 
how about letting you all stand in place or you can raise your arm and wave or you can wiggle your eyebrows some way so people know. Your board of trustees is Linda Iwamero, Tom Lee, Sandy McCoy, who also works with pastoral care, uh, Lynn Montgomery, Adam Reuter, Scott Rittenhouse, Kate Bosky, Lori Swanson, and Patty Wade. My blessing to you all. May you carry out governance of this congregation well as it journeys through this sabbatical period. May your decision-making take place in an environment of right relationship and ensure that the congregation is fully resourced as it experiences this change event, which pulls it into what will be next. And may you never lose the so valuable balcony view, balcony perspective on UUCCI as it moves through this special time. None of you all are off the hook. Members, friends, parts of UUCCI, you too have a role to play during this sabbatical time, the entire congregation. So, hey, board, stand up, show some leadership. Be, be, be standing there or waving your hand or wiggling your eyebrow, whatever. Because these folks are going to have to do the same now. Because you too are receiving a blessing as a congregation for this time of sabbatical. So if everyone in the congregation, however that's defined, will stand or raise your hand or wiggle your eyebrow or your ear as my little granddaughter would say. <laughs> the blessing I give to you, this congregation, as you embark upon this sabbatical journey. May you be filled with the gratitude for this good gift of a sabbatical time. Fully participate in it in order to receive all of its juicy insights and wisdom, recognizing that harvests in the future only occur a long, after a long season of tending and growth. May you continue to experience the blessings of covenantal relationship during this time and at the close of this sabbatical time, may you all and Reverend Nick, as you renew your covenant, each ask of each other the question that I was asked earlier this morning in this service. The question, what is the most fun thing about being in a sabbatical time period? And may everyone, everyone's response, bring a smile to their lips.